I'm Jenny Carlson. I'm Barry Trammell. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. So Dylan Gabriel is now a duck. Ollie Gordon is still a cowboy. Plus a pretty darn good NBA team we seem to now have in our midst here in Oklahoma City. But first, today's episode is sponsored by Keep OKC Big League. On Tuesday, December 12th, Oklahoma City voters have a chance to say yes to a new arena that will secure the future of the NBA in the community. The new arena will keep the thunder in Oklahoma City for another generation and beyond 2050. But it's not just about basketball. A new arena will secure Oklahoma City's status as a destination for premier concerts, national sporting events, and more. All things that drive economic growth and quality of life in our city without raising taxes. Let's build on the progress we've made and keep OKC Big League. For more information, go to keepokcbigleague.com and remember to vote yes on December 12th. Well, Barry, as I mentioned, Dylan Gabriel is off to be an Oregon Duck. I felt like this might be a possible destination when he first announced he was going in the portal a week ago, but it's official. What's what's your feeling about the fit for Dylan Gabriel, the former Sooner quarterback, now being the Ducks' next quarterback? Well, it seems like a perfect fit. I mean, uh, Oregon's a place that's had good luck with transfer quarterbacks. It, it uh, reclamated uh, Bo Nix's career. Yep. Dylan Gabriel doesn't need uh, redemption uh, as a quarterback, but uh, the style of play, the quality of the program, the direction of the program seems like a perfect fit. You got Marcus Mariota lineage there. We talked about that yesterday. Uh, Hawaiian star. Dylan Gabriel's a Hawaiian star. So it, it makes perfect sense on every level, it seems to me. And, and Oregon got themselves a really, really good quarterback. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, Oregon heading to the Big Ten next year. Um, had Gabriel stuck around at OU, he would have been changing conferences at OU as well. But obviously, Oregon now uh, headed to the Big Ten. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. Uh, obviously, their their defense uh, overseen by a guy who knows a thing or two about big defenses and Dan Lanning. But obviously, the offense at Oregon has been fantastic, Barry. I mean, like you mentioned, Bo Nix. Um, if not for Washington and Michael Penix Jr. this year, Oregon would be undefeated and headed to the playoff. I mean, I think that they were on the cusp of, of that sort of season, didn't fall very short of it, only have those two losses to Washington. So no reason to think that, um, you know, Oregon won't continue to be really good with Dylan Gabriel. It's I'm, I'm kind of curious, though, a program like Oregon, have they found themselves now in this kind of uh, you know, almost a silo or, or a echo chamber where transfer quarterbacks, transfer quarterbacks, you know, obviously they bring in a new coaching staff a couple of years ago and transfer quarterbacks have kind of become their thing. I think that can happen, Barry. I think you can get into that, that echo chamber of just bringing in one after another. Obviously, if you get the best of the best, it can win ball games, but I think at some point you got to have some guys you develop. I'm glad to see Oklahoma has got, you know, a Jackson Arnold in the pipeline, other high school quarterbacks in the pipeline. But I think that's one of those risks out there, the transfer portal. Yeah, I got a question for you, though, Jacko. Do you have to grow your own? Can you not survive? Maybe if not, you're, yeah. If you're a program like Oregon or Oklahoma, you know, the Sooners got on that treadmill. With Baker, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, got off it a little bit with uh, with uh, Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams, but then hopped back on with Dylan Gabriel. Uh, appear to be back off of it with Jackson Arnold. But um, when you get transfer quarterbacks, you've got a learning curve in terms of the system and the culture and all that. 
you don't have a learning curve with knowing how to quarterback at the highest levels. I mean, uh, the Sooners have have sort of uh, broken in young guys with Rattler and with uh, Caleb Williams, and that was two of their worst years um, going back through the seven, eight-year span of, of Lincoln Riley and Brent Venables. So uh, I don't know. Um, here, I think that, that if you're a program like Oregon or a program like the Sooners or whoever, you can go out and get the best quarterback on the market or one of the best, and the market seems to be expanding, not shrinking. If there's only four quarterbacks on the market, then that can be dicey. But half the dang starting quarterbacks in college football seem to enter the portal. So it's a fascinating question. Uh, the Sooner plan clearly is, hey, Jackson Arnold all the way. We've got him in a year. He's ready to go. Let, let's move. And it may work out famously. But going to the portal has not been a bad way to go. If you look at the championship quarterbacks, the playoff quarterbacks, the Heisman quarterbacks, heavy percentage of them portal guys. It's the yeah. way of the world. Yeah, for sure. I'll say the one thing that I would say is a bit of a cautionary tale is what we saw a year ago at Oklahoma. They obviously got a good transfer quarterback in Dylan Gabriel, but then they didn't have anything really behind him. If he got hurt, they were in trouble. And lo and behold, he got hurt and they fell into an abyss there for a couple games. So I think as long as Bo Nick stayed healthy, I think you saw what we saw at Oregon. You know, they were going to be in good shape. I'm thinking next year, if Dylan Gabriel stays healthy, Oregon's probably in pretty good shape. But how do you convince another transfer quarterback to come in to back up a guy? Most transfers are looking to play right away. So you're not going to convince many transfer quarterbacks who are willing to sit behind a guy. And then at some point, your high school guys who've come in will say, well, what am I hanging out here for? I don't I don't have a chance. They're just going to keep the revolving door of these transfer quarterbacks coming in. So I think where it can hurt you is the depth. And as long as your guy stays healthy, you're, you're in good shape. But if he gets hurt, then it's a little bit dicey, I would say. Yeah, no, it's an excellent point about if you, if you play your own guy, it does give hope to the, to the guys behind him. For instance, uh, Michael Hawkins is going to be the freshman at OU next year, apparently the next great thing. If he sees Jackson Arnold doing well, quarterbacking the Sooners, he's got to think, hey, they'll give me that shot. On the other hand, the depth problems you mentioned, which are that's a completely valid and 100% accurate statement, same thing can happen with, uh, with teams and programs that go with their homegrown signees, like the 24 Sooners. I mean, Michael Hawkins looks like he's going to be the backup next season for Oklahoma. I'm sure they'd like to go to the portal, find a uh, quality backup, but they tried that a year ago. They got Davis Bevel and General Booty. Uh, didn't work out so good, had to play one of them in the Texas game, uh, and they ended up snapping the ball to Braden Willis half the time. So depth is always going to be a problem, <laughs> excuse me, because quarterbacks have options, and the good ones don't have to wait anymore. They can go someplace and play and then transfer to the school of their dreams if that's what they want. Yeah, I would say depth of quarterback everywhere, no matter no matter your setup, might be one of the things that's taken the biggest hit in the portal era. You know, what, what teams have great depth at quarterback? That's true everywhere. I mean, what is there, 25 NFL quarterbacks that really can help you? There's 32 teams. If you right. look around, when you factor in injuries and retirements, plus just the, the dearth of good quarterbacks, 
It's a shortage. And not everybody's a Kansas and have two really good quarterbacks, the football factory and Lawrence. So crazy. Um, you know, so it's a it's a case of quarterback depth is always a concern. In the old days, teams could stockpile talent. You know, they could they could sign some schools signed two really good quarterbacks in a in a recruiting class. Some of them played, some of them didn't. They didn't have the options they have today. No doubt about it. Well, talking about quarterbacks and, and the roster, the uncertainty now, Barry, that sort of hangs over Oklahoma or the seeming uncertainty. I, Brent Venables had his first comments since uh, Dylan Gabriel announced his transfer last week in a press conference. The Alamo Bowl did. Uh, some of us were able to get on remotely and, and, and ask a few questions of him. And the question was asked, who will, who will start? Who will play quarterback for OU in the Alamo Bowl? He said it was too early then. I, I don't know where we are now. But even at that point, Barry, were you buying that it's too early? I don't think there's any doubt it's going to be Jackson Arnold in the Alamo Bowl. The world has turned so kooky. I'm hesitant to say never. But I see no way that Dylan Gabriel is wearing crimson and shoulder pads in San Antonio on the 28th of December. I don't see any way. If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. You had that one in your back pocket the whole time, Barry. I've been sitting on it for like 10 minutes thinking, when do I trot this out? Anyway, (laughs) what is it? What what possible confluence of decisions could be had to where Dylan Gabriel said, well, I'll come back and play for you. You know, I'm committed to Oregon. They're paying me $2 million. I'm learning the playbook. I got the key card into the facility, all that. But I'll go quarterback Oklahoma against Arizona in, in San Antonio on the 28th. I just can't comprehend that happening. Yeah. So uh, I would be stunned if Dylan gave Now, on the sidelines, hanging out with his old pals? Maybe so. I can see that. I can't see Dylan Gabriel um, quarterback in Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. Just can't fathom it. I'll take you one tiny step further from Dylan Gabriel being on the sideline. The only thing I could see is potentially – Maybe it's a ceremonial thing. Maybe it's a ceremonial start, a you know, single snap that he takes, and then he's, he's ushered off the field to great applause. Now, they did that in Norman, so I don't know why you would want to do it at the Alamo Bowl, but to me, that seems goofy. I think I don't – I'm with you. I don't think Dylan Gabriel takes a snap for the Sooners in San Antonio. You know what? That's a f- – I don't know where you came up with that, but that's an incredibly – it is crazy. It's kooky. The world's gone kooky in college football. They're sort of doing this, right? I mean, the way they set this whole thing up, it's passing the torch. They set yeah. this up as like a, a monarchical passing of the torch. You know, the, the scepter. the Knighting of a yeah, next... Yeah, uh... yeah, 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 all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, maybe they will do something like that. I don't know. It's nuts. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I just can't see it. Uh, Jackson Arnold has a car wreck and, you know, breaks an ankle or something between now and, and Friday. Please Maybe don't Dylan... say things like that, Barry. That's how we <laughs> well, get into serious that, that, trouble. That, 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 that doesn't affect anything. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But if, <laughs> if that would happen, maybe Dylan Gabriel rides in, uh, you know, back into town to, to save the day like uh, uh, 1944 Western. I don't know. Uh, that's the only thing I could see. It's just, it's just crazy. These are literally uh players with multiple they've got multiple loyalties they've got multiple teams it's just a kooky kooky culture we've got 
and it, it's a little bit unlike NFL free agency, right? And in the NFL, once you're gone, you're gone. Uh, Aaron Rodgers not coming back uh, to uh, Lambeau and they're saying, hey, come on in, come to a quarterback meeting. That's not <laughs> happening. But, you know, could it happen in Norman, Oklahoma or some such place? Maybe. I don't know. But probably yeah, not. Probably not. And And truthfully, I mean – for all the reasons that we talked about, I think a week ago, that this is now, to me, the Alamo Bowl becomes important for o- Oklahoma. Whereas when the bowl was announced, before we found out Dylan Gabriel was leaving, the importance was maybe, I don't know, two, three on the scale of importance. Now it's an importance of nine or 10 because you get to see what Jackson Arnold can do. Now, I don't have any idea how motivated, uh, you know, well-prepared Arizona is going to be. I have no idea what kind of opponent he's going to face. But this is a real live football game that he's going to be in. And for Oklahoma to get a chance to actually see how he performs, for him to get to see better how he performs from start to finish. You know, he, he came in in, in uh, backup duty after Gabriel got hurt at BYU, played the second half. We've seen him in spot duty early in the season playing the, a specialty package. But this is this is preparation built around Jackson Arnold, built around this offense now run by Seth Luttrell. That to me says this is a game of great importance for Oklahoma. And you don't futz around with it by bringing back the quarterback who's not going to be your quarterback next year. I just think, again, I don't know, maybe things have already been decided and Brent Venables was playing it close to the vest, didn't want to talk about it last week. I don't know. But I got to think there's no chance that Dylan Gabriel does anything meaningful snapping the football for Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. Jacko, you've said it. Some other guys have said it. It's sellout crowd. But the bowl season, beyond the, the playoff, this counts even the, the, the big bowls. The bowl game is now sort of like a next season preview. It's more, it's more part of next season than this season. You're exactly right. The, the Alamo Bowl is it, it's almost like a, a kickoff game for the 24 season. And this is about Jackson Arnold getting accustomed to what's going on. The problem for Jackson Arnold is he's got an offensive line that's uh, somewhat wiped out. Tyler Guyton going pro, Andrew Rahm going pro. Um, you know, he, it's, a, it's a case of I don't know what kind of line he's going to have. A year ago, Sooners faced the same thing uh, in the in the Orlando Bowl. Had four starting offensive linemen out. They held up pretty good. Sooners ran the ball. Dylan Gabriel put up some points. Had a fighting chance to beat Florida State. So I assume the same thing will happen, but that will be, you know, I, I can imagine Jackson Arnold walking into the locker room for that game and looking around at his offensive line, and it's like Samuel L. Jackson in a time to kill. These are a jury of my peers, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of white people. Uh, I can walk him in. This is my offensive line. What happened to what happened to my guys? So that'll be uh, another problem. This is the second straight year. Sooners are facing a team that's fired up to be there. Arizona, yeah. not much bowl experience in recent years. Fired up about a great year under Jed Fish. I can see Arizona, U of A getting all fired up for this bowl. All the guys playing. Sooners could be playing a squad that's at or near full strength. And the Sooners won't be. They got to adjust. Yeah, and we'll have a lot more on uh, their bowl matchup uh, coming up in the Jenny and Barry show in the next week or so. So you won't want to miss that. But 
you know, you're talking about how decimated parts of Oklahoma's offense will be. Well, something that's not decimated right now is Oklahoma State's backfield. Ollie Gordon, a week after the uh, transfer window opened, he is still a cowboy. Barry, does this mean, is OSU off? I don't know if it's DEFCON 1 is the highest level or DEFCON 5. Whatever's the highest DEFCON, are they off the highest level? I would say yes, wouldn't you? I mean, I would. It's good news. I mean, I've been I've been waking up every morning for 43 years in fear that Trish the Dish is going to wise up and say, I don't need you. Uh, but every day that goes by, I got a fighting chance to keep her. So um, uh, that's the way I feel about Ollie Gordon. You know, he's a uh, he's a guy that seems prime for the portal. Um, big time player, big time talent. Not that he wouldn't like it. Sometimes it could be a business decision. You know, uh, somebody can make a ton of money uh, in college football now, and you can make more in some places than you can in Stillwater. But now we're looking at seven days he hasn't entered. Uh, he's showing all kinds of outward signs of rallying the troops and saying, let's go, let's go. So you never know. You can never be sure. Heck, you can't be sure until June, for crying out yeah. loud, because we got that, that late spring portal. But all signs are very positive. And the Cowboys, frankly, are not getting, they're not getting mauled in the portal much. And that's a very good sign to me. Uh, just broadly, the OSU culture seems to have righted itself. Last year, it was, it was docked pretty good. A bunch of guys left, a bunch of influential players left. Yeah. Not happening this year. Maybe Mike Gundy's got the, got the culture back where he wants it, and nothing would embody that more than Ollie Gordon sticking around, which so far he has. Yeah, and I think, you know, you talk about keeping guys, and they've not only not had a lot of guys enter the portal, but they've had the guys who are blocking or have been blocking for Ollie Gordon and would be blocking next year for Ollie Gordon, making public announcements of their intention to stay put. Um, you know, guys that are saying, hey, uh, basically, you know, I'm, I, I'm getting taken care of by Oklahoma State in the NIL space. I mean, this is important for, for a team to be able to – you know, take steps forward. They've got to take steps forward in NIL nowadays. And so Oklahoma State getting uh, basically its offensive line back in order. Guys are coming back. And so I don't know what the plan is as far as Ollie Gordon goes. You're right, Barry. I mean, the, the timeline on this is not just now. It's really expansive because something could happen in spring ball. Something could happen late in the spring. We just don't know. And until Basically, until you know the opener next season, we won't be a hundred hundred percent sure that Ollie Gordon is going to remain a cowboy. But things keep tiling up for him to to remain. Now, does he make an announcement? Very few years ago, you and I were there the day that uh, Tylen Wallace and Chuba Hubbard and I don't remember who else all was in that group, but said they were coming back to Oklahoma State. It was a big deal at the uh, Union. You know, had fans. Mike Gundy was there. Uh, I don't know if they do something similar for Ollie Gordon at some point, but I mean, obviously, uh, Cowboys are back at practice this week. They're going to be playing in a bowl game here uh, in the not too, too distant future. As long as nothing happens, uh, you know, to, to get things off the track at this point, I would at least anticipate Ollie Gordon being a Cowboy into spring ball. I mean, I, it seems like we're sort of pointing towards at least that being the case right now. Yeah, and I, you know what? Most guys who are going to leave, leave before spring. Not that right. many. The guys who leave after spring generally are guys that think, ah, that look at spring practice and say, hey, this isn't going well. Yeah. Spring practice is going to go well for Ollie Gordon. 
He's going to be treated like, uh, I don't know, the Queen of Sheba, people carrying him in on, uh, you know, on these arcs. Um, He's how not about, be, how about the uh, ghost of Christmas present sitting on that tower of food? There, I think I think of Ollie Gordon go. being like he's on a tower of, of goodies uh, at yeah. practice. Yeah, he'll have uh, I don't know who I don't want to be sexist, but somebody will be feeding him grapes. So uh, he'll be <laughs> Mike uh, Gundy he, might feed him Mike grapes Gun- at this might point. Might be Mike Gundy and uh, Casey Dunn very well could be. <laughs> so you know he's going to be in great shape that way. The only thing to me, the only thing OSU has to worry about right now is just the the financial end. You know, if Georgia comes in and say, you know what, we need a tailback. I watched that zero in Stillwater. I uh, wonder if he'd like to rush for 1,800 yards in the SEC. Uh, here's a million and a half dollars. You know, it's, it's, that's the only thing I would fear if I was OSU. So far, it hadn't happened. No reason to think it will now. So I'm, I'm optimistic about Ollie Gordon sticking around Stillwater. But the nature of college football is until you get to June, you really, you, you got to sweat it a little bit. So, uh, and let me say this from the weekend, hats off to Ollie winning the Doak Walker award. Um, you know, it's, OSU's got this great lineage of tailbacks and he's a national rushing leader, Doak Walker award. He's, he's got up there, uh, just this side of, of the two iconics. Thurman Thomas and Barry Sanders, but Ollie Gordon is uh, stands very tall in Stillwater these days. Yeah, and we found out also that he would have, or he would have, he did finish seventh in the Heisman voting. So um, not super far out of sort of that realm of uh, the Heisman doesn't say how many finalists they're going to take on a given year. It's basically where there's sort of a natural breaking point. And this year, the natural breaking point was the top four. Those four were in New York. Everybody else was not. But we find out Ollie Gordon seventh. Barry, I think that sets up really well for Ollie Gordon next year to be one of those guys from the get-go that people are talking about as a Heisman candidate. Um, obviously, he's landing on basically every first uh, first team All-American list we've seen so far. I don't see that changing. So should he have been a final Heisman finalist this year? I don't know. It's become such a quarterback award. The fact that Marvin Harrison was there, you know, I don't know if there's room for another non-quarterback at this point, but I think he's definitely in the conversation already for the 2024 Heisman. Well, yeah. And, and you know, when you look at, at the voting, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking up here, the voting, this is a guy that uh, very well could be, I think Jalen Milrow will be the, uh, who for sixth, Jalen Milrow and Ollie Gordon will be the two top returners in Heisman voting. Yeah. Uh, if everything goes as scheduled, which, you know, people come from back of the pack. Nobody was penciling in Jaden Daniels as a uh, as a winner this year. But it's certainly, uh, you know, being on the front row of, of the Indy 500 is a good place to be to start the race. Being one of the top two vote getters is a very good place to start if you're if you're returning. So he'll be on all the he'll be on all the preseason lists, preseason All-American, all those things. And it's a great selling point for Mike Gundy because, you know, Gundy can tell people and has told people and can point to Ollie Gordon now and say, listen, you can get great things done in Stillwater. Look at Ollie Gordon, Doak Walker, Heisman contender, national rushing leader. We get things done in Stillwater. And frankly, you know, Cowboys have had now, what, three national award winners in the last 12 years? Justin Blackman, Tylen Wallace. Um, and uh, Ollie Gordon, I mean, that's that's uh, amazing for for a school that's uh, below the blue blood level like OSU. 
You know, it's interesting, as I, I was thinking about Jaden Daniels, the LSU quarterback, winning the Heisman this year. Yeah. And obviously, a lot of years, you're looking at a, a, a quarterback uh, winning the award. Jaden Daniels obviously fits into that uh, category. But you're looking ob- a, a, a lot of times at quarterback playing for one of the best teams in the country. LSU, not one of the best teams in the country this year. So it struck me that, well, maybe that's a good thing for Ollie Gordon. You know, a guy that's going to, you know, OSU may or may not be in the hunt for a national championship next year. Obviously, had they done some things different early this year, they might have been in that conversation late in the year. But, you know, whether they are or not, does that bode well for Ollie Gordon? You know, and I sort of am divided on that in my head because, yes, I think that it does say that voters are willing to vote for somebody who isn't on a playoff team, isn't on an undefeated team. But LSU, as you mentioned, Blue Bloods a second ago, LSU fits in that Blue Blood category, Barry. They're one of those teams that people just assume is great, even years that they may or may not be great. So the brand of LSU is different than the brand of OSU. I do think that having a guy that is on a team with several losses could bode well for somebody else potentially if you're not sort of on a a national championship contending team but I don't I don't know what do you think do you think OSU's brand I mean Ollie Gordon has become such a commodity so it's a brand in and of himself maybe that could potentially overcome things that Heisman voters might I don't know I was just thinking about Jaden Daniels winning and what it might potentially mean for Ollie Gordon next year yeah I think it's a very good sign for everyone in college football that Jaden Daniels won. And you're right, the LSU brand's iconic. Gold helmet, that sort of block LSU uh, in a funny font. Uh, people identify with that. But the Bengals did have a rough year, I mean, by their standards. Nine and three, uh, you're too young to remember this, but there was a time when you didn't have to be in the, you know, in the national championship race to win the Heisman. We saw all kinds of people win a, win a Heisman just because people thought they were the best player period. Steve Owens at OU in 69, Jim Plunkett in Stanford in 70, George Rogers at South Carolina, Bo- uh, Doug Flutie at Boston College, Barry Sanders, which was actually no vote. I mean, that was acclamation that he would win it with that year, but he wins it at OSU. Um, so winning without being in the title race, winning with three or four losses, to me, that was a great sign for the Heisman. It's become way too much of a uh, of a team award way too much of a who's playing big big games in the first week of december award and uh frankly that loses to me a little bit of the of the meaning of of the trophy so i thought this heisman voting was a really good um was a really good development i like bo nix got nothing against him i like oregon got nothing against him against them the idea that bo nix uh, could have won the Heisman this year. Listen, he's a wonderful quarterback, did a great job, but we're all pretty sure that Bo Nix is not the best player in college football. So why was that even ever a thing? So um, I think that's good for Ollie. Cowboys don't have to go 12-1, and one, win the Big 12 championship game for Ollie Gordon to be a Heisman contender next year. Yeah, I would agree with that. Hey, before we get out of here, let's talk about some other uh, departures, uh, both OU and OSU. There's been several at OU. We've seen some guys announce they're headed to the NFL. Andrew Rame, uh, Tyler Guyton. We've seen some departures into the portal. Uh, running backs, especially Barry, Tywee Walker, 
Marcus Major, Dylan Smothers, and then Key Lawrence off the defense. Also, I'm not hitting on everybody. Billy Bowman is coming back, but seems like the portal has been not exactly all that nice. And obviously the the NFL departures. So uh, as we talked before, this bowl game is going to be a new, it's it's a new time. We're going to see a lot of new faces out there, but just looking at the totality of this, Barry, what's your thought about just the departures we've seen thus far down in Norman? Remember the good old days when everybody just sat around and worried about people leaving for the NFL and skipping the bowl? The bowl opt out. I wasn't that long ago. We're not nope. talking 15 years. It's like four years ago. Now you got the double opt out, which going to the NFL and going to the portal. Uh, you can really leave a roster thin. I think potentially the opt-outs that we've seen, the departures we've seen at OU are more troublesome for this bowl game than for next season. Um, for one thing, the portal can, can supplement and fill in those gaps by next season. Can't do that for the bowl game. So um, I, uh, I think the offensive line is going to be an issue in the bowl game. Um, Billy Bowman coming back is a fabulous thing for the Sooners, though. I mean, this is, uh, this is an All-American type guy. He's probably their best football player, uh, Billy Bowman. If it's not Dylan Gabriel in, in 2023, their best football players were Dylan Gabriel and Billy Bowman. I, I tend to think it's going to hurt him more in the bowl game than potentially for the 2024 season. Tailback is going to be an issue. Uh, if Barnes is healthy, they can go – just like they did in Orlando, go with a two-headed monster of Sawchuck and Barnes. If yeah. Barnes is not healthy, he's been banged up all year. You know, Gavin Sawchuck is going to see the football a whole lot in San Antonio. Yeah, I, you're right about the offensive line. And I'm curious about the defensive line with opt-outs because they had so many transfers, uh, sort of one-and-done type transfers that came into that defensive line. You know, I'm thinking about um, you know, uh, well, I mean, there's so many of them uh, that, that could potentially say they're they're heading out. So we haven't heard that yet, but I just don't know what that's going to look like. I think those lines could be where the Sooners are most impacted in the bowl game. I think the running back situation is interesting. I mean, obviously, we saw on the field that, oh, you never quite figured out what it had or what it needed, or I know injuries were a part of it, but now with you know three guys already uh, running back wise in the portal, I think it just speaks to you know sort of the maybe the, it wasn't just an issue that was playing out on the field with guys not being uh, available or uh, capable. I don't know what the situation or what the word would be, but maybe there were issues off the field as well as we see these guys get into the portal. I have to think that Oklahoma obviously saw Chuck, I think, played much better the second half of the regular season, going to be leaning heavily on him as they look at 24. But then they've got a couple big-time recruits coming in at running back. And you got to wonder, are those guys going to potentially be leaned on maybe more heavily than true freshmen would be otherwise? I don't know what, I don't know what, the, I don't know what the situation would be. I don't know if they might try to go get a, a transfer to help bo- you know, boost that group. But that running back group, Barry, I mean, we saw them struggle all year. And now to see so many of them go in the portal, I think it just kind of is – it speaks to maybe a larger issue that was at play there. And um, you want to get that better. I mean, at Oklahoma, they usually just fall out of trees and into your lap every year. So the fact that that was such a struggle this year was really, really surprising to me. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things. I like to say that places like OU, 
Never has to worry about tailback unless just injuries wipe everybody out. Uh, I've, you know, I also said the same thing about OSU wide receivers for a long time. And guess what? They actually have run short. So it can get you. Uh, the injuries and the portal combined to really limit OSU at receiver this year. The same thing potentially could happen to the Sooners at tailback uh, next season. But I think they'll be all right. I think they'll add in the portal. I think uh, you know they're, they're recruiting the kind of guys that could come in and play immediately. Uh, maybe not full-time duty, but can certainly help as true freshmen. We've seen that happen uh, over the years at Oklahoma. So, um, I'm not too worried about it yet. Um, I reserve the right to uh, withdraw that statement. But uh, again, San Antonio is the problem that I see. They're going to be short in San Antonio. Uh, I think Jackson Arnold, um, you won't see a lot of two-back. In other words, you won't see a lot of two-back formations in the Alamo Bowl. Um, probably won't see a lot of quarterback run game either because uh, not much yeah. behind him. So um, I think you'll see a limited offensive game plan in San Antonio for Seth Luttrell. Um, but I think it'll be what, what we do see will be wide open. I think you'll see the ball in the air a whole lot just because of those, those numbers uh, in a variety of places on the roster. Hey, we talked real briefly before about OSU and their portal situation, much quieter. Uh, we've seen a couple guys get in the portal from OSU, but definitely not the, uh, the outpouring of, especially of starters and, uh, you know, heavily used, uh, reserves. We, we're not seeing those guys leave, but a big name, Gunner Gundy in the, in the portal, if you will. I mean, obviously leaving his dad's program. I'm not totally surprised by this, Barry. I, I think it sort of speaks to, uh, the fact that it looks like Oklahoma's, or Oklahoma State has several guys that could play quarterback. I don't know what's going to happen with Alan Bowman. Obviously, I think that's an evolving situation, but. I think Gunnar Gundy showed he can play, but I'm just not sure that the opportunity is there at Oklahoma State for him to get on the field very much. Wherever he lands, I think he's going to have a good shot at, at, at maybe being the starter. I, I, I mean, I would think it would probably be, uh, you know, a group of five or a, 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 a mid-major type of team, but I think he could be a guy that could contend to start for a team. Yeah, two things about Gunnar Gundy. One is, if you look at 2024 Cowboys, you can paint scenarios for four different guys quarterbacking OSU. Gunnar Gundy doesn't happen to be one of the four. You can, you can see Alan Bowman somehow getting a waiver, getting a seventh year, coming back, he's a quarterback. You can see him going out and get a portal quarterback. There's a bunch of them in the portal. You can see Zane Flores being handed the reins, saying, hey, we like you, let's go. Or Garrett Rangel comes back and makes a, uh, a uh, recovery and uh, wins a starting job. You can't see that with Gunnar Gundy. Uh, here's the other thing I would say about Gunnar Gundy. I think it was probably a childhood dream of his to play quarterback at Boone Pickens Stadium. Um, maybe for his dad, maybe not. You know, I don't know what about that dynamic, but to wear those colors and, and trot out there and, and start a game for the Cowboys. Well, you know what? He's done that. Yep. And I think he did it twice. I think he started a game last year and this year both, right? I think. Yeah, I believe that's correct, yeah. Anyway, um, so he sort of fulfilled that dream. He sort of knows the, the path to playing time is, is clogged. It's not real apparent. He could go someplace and play a lot. He could go to the one double A um, route, yep. uh, a Central Arkansas, a Missouri State, uh, someplace like that, play a ton. He could go to, uh, you know, someplace, uh, Rice, UTEP, 
uh, some way you're on the, on the mid-major. Play a ton. Nothing's funner than playing college football, I don't suppose. So he's, if he's got the itch to play, he probably needs to, to chase that dream somewhere else, having fulfilled the big dream already in Stillwater. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see where he does land because I think I think he's got a chance to, you know, like you said, Barry, if, if it is a lower division, I mean, somebody that's a potential contender for a national championship at the D2 level, somebody like that, I mean, we see the, some of the Dakota schools, you know, just bare, there's all sorts of teams all over the place that you could go and I think be uh, be a player, be a starter. So I think lots of options. That's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting development. And I, I mean, I think it's just fun for people to think about like what that conversation was like when Gunnar Gundy walks into his dad's office. What, you know, I have to think they've had conversations throughout the year, but you know, that's one of those things that you can, you know, you want sort of fly on the wall. How did that play out? I got to think that was an interesting um, conversation for those two to have. You think, so. you, think he wa- you think he walks into his dad's office or does he just wait for his dad to walk through the front door and say, Hey dad, sit down. I got something to tell you. We, let's talk some <laughs> football here. Or just uh, tell him during uh, halftime of the Sunday night foot NFL game. Hey dad, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I know the bills are beating the chargers, but uh, how about I enter the portal? You know, I, I wonder how, that is an interesting dynamic to think about. Yeah. Do they have it over breakfast or is it a formal conversation? No, yeah, don't know. Maybe we'll get butter. some. Pass the butter and the portal papers, would you, Dad? <laughs> exactly. Okay, before we get out of here, Barry, we've been talking college football, but obviously the Thunder, the Thunder, they had an old school game with the Warriors last week. Knockdown, drag out, fantastically played game, went to overtime. Fans on their feet most of that last quarter and overtime. Hey, listen, the Thunder didn't make the final part of the in season tourney, but man, that felt like a game with a lot of stakes on the line. Almost to me, Barry, it almost felt like we sort of are, we're seeing that, that handover in the Western conference. The Warriors have been at the top for so long. Now the Thunder's saying it's our time to evolve to that top, top echelon. Yeah. Um, you still don't want to play the Warriors in the playoffs. I don't think, no. I don't think, especially Lou against Dort doesn't want to chase around Steph Curry. But clearly, the Warriors have hit a certain level at their age. They're decline. They're in decline. The sooner, the sooner. The Thunder's on a, a severe uh, incline. Um, and the I will say this for Golden State and the Thunder: the games are so much fun. It's 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 unbelievable. Uh, they played four now. They've all just been wildly entertaining. That one was great. We had the Holmgren. Fade away three pointer at the buzzer to send the game in in San Francisco to overtime. We had this one with Holmgren uh, making three foul shots uh, with six or seven seconds left. When these teams get together, it's just incredible fun. But the Thunder does have the young legs. They do have the young talent. They do have the brighter future. So in some ways, it is a sort of a, a microcosm of what's going on in the NBA, a changing of the guard. Um, and I, 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 everybody's in love with the Thunder for good reason. Their games are wildly fun. Um, harkens back to the old days in Oklahoma City where, where Durant and Westbrook and all those guys were young and, and you never knew what you were going to see. And the same thing here, just a different cast of characters. So, uh, yeah, sign me up for a, for a Warrior Thunder game anytime. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, uh, single games here and there, but you're right. I'm not so sure Dort or uh, 
Jalen Williams or those guys want to run around and, and chase Clay, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry the whole time. But yeah, I, the only thing we needed to really bridge the era gap was when Chet Holmgren stepped to the free throw line for those free throws. Because I have one of the other guys go to the other end of the floor, sit down on the court and turn his back and not watch like Durant did in that game with Westbrook yeah. at the line oh. back in the day. That's all we needed is just a reenactment of that moment. Those were the days, my friend. We, we literally, literally, we thought they'd never end. No, you're right. You're right. But it was a heck of a, a heck of a night. Um, felt and looked and sounded a lot like days of yesteryear, which it, I think that, you know, the fans, we, we did not see sort of those big attendance numbers, those rowdy uh, fans in the early going. But I think we're starting to see that come around, Barry. I think as the second half of the season sort of approaches and, you know, post All-Star break, I think we're going to see that a lot more from the people in Oklahoma City. Obviously, though, one last thing, uh, Thunder related. We've got this arena vote in Oklahoma City on Tuesday. A lot of people, uh, you know, have talked about this. We, we did the roundtable with the mayor, uh, economist Russell Evans, uh, our own John Hamm. We've talked about it in a variety of ways, written about it in a variety of ways. I think the momentum is good that this will pass, Barry. But obviously, you know, some people are yet to decide yes, no. They're maybe uh, sort of trying to decide what's what's your uh, what's your two cents on this arena vote as we uh, approach the Tuesday vote. Well, I certainly hope it passes and I'm um, fairly optimistic that it will. Uh, 30 years of MAPS votes uh, continuing this one cent sales tax. People. Even if you don't really care about the Thunder, even if you think we shouldn't build an arena for the Thunder, you can't deny the momentum the city has built through the MAPS uh, projects. Uh, it's been transformative. Um, I think the young people uh, are very fired up about uh, about the downtown and, and the arena and the Thunder, blah, blah, blah. I think the older people remember the ghost town of, of the 1980s downtown. And if they'll sit and think about it, they'll say, you know, we really don't want to take a step back. We've come too far. So um, I'm pretty optimistic it's going to pass. I would recommend, though, get out and vote. Either way, whatever how you're going to vote, don't sit it out and think, you know, I've, nobody needs my vote or I don't matter. Uh, people, we need to vote more. So uh, get out and vote and, um, and we'll see what the voters say. But historically, like I said, since 1993, uh, they've been very supportive of the MAPS projects, um, and increasingly so because they've seen that the city has produced what they said they would do. Yeah, I, I've not lived in Oklahoma City since we didn't have MAPS. I came here in 1999, so I only know a post-MAPS Oklahoma City, but I saw it in the early days, and I've seen the uh, the the things that have come since then, all the different um, iterations of MAPS and all the difference it has made. and. You know, I think that if people, like you said, Barry, people remember what it was. We don't want to step back. But I think we also need to keep in mind our city leaders have done right by the MAPS votes, votes like this, um, public improvement, things like this. They've, they've done right by us. And so I think we can rest assured that, you know, this is, this is another situation where they're going to do right by us. They're going to build an arena that, you know, is going to be uh, you know, good for the city. That's going to be positive for its future. So I, again, I sort of lean into what we know about how the city has done these before and how I think that they'll, they'll do this again. So 
that vote coming up on Tuesday. Hey, that's that's all the time we've got for this week. Lots on the Jenny and Barry show. But remember to get out and vote Tuesday, December 12th in Oklahoma City. Polls are open 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And we'll be following the vote and have coverage before, during, and after. Check us out at selloutcrowd.com. And Barry and I are also at barrytrammell.com and jenny-carlson.com. This happens to be your first time hearing or watching us. Be sure to subscribe to our show on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.